welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with... Jeff Rappaport. Guys, the first thing we wanted to mention on this episode is if you have not gotten the step-by-step video already uh, that goes over uh, offer structuring on a single family home, um, start to finish, step-by-step, you know, right through the exit strategy. Jeff put this together um, and we have a lot of people ask about the video and they tell us that they've listened to every single episode and they don't, they still don't know about the video. Um, Text CFP or creative financing to our hotline number, which is 877-409-8090. Again, 877-409-8090 to get that video. We just wanted to mention that right up front um, so that you know about it. Guys, today we are continuing on our uh, pop quiz series on deal structuring. Um, This is where Uh, Jeff is presenting questions to me, and then we're using solid examples by plugging numbers into our calculators uh, to go over these examples to hopefully solidify uh, the application of what we're talking about here. So um, if you're able to follow along with your calculator, we, we always advise you to do so. Uh, on our last our last episode in the series, uh, we talked about you know what's enough equity to have in a deal to make it work. Um, what do you do with properties with very little equity? Can you raise the price? If so, um, what's some things you need to be aware of? Uh, so go back and listen to that if you have not already, and uh, we'll keep moving forward here, Jeff. All right, so Jonathan. Here's a bunch of very general questions, but at some point you got to understand how to answer these questions. I'm going to be really curious to see where you go with these. How do you determine the length of term you should ask for or offer a seller? Um, Great question. Uh, Kind of as a minimum, uh, we like three years, three to five years, but really it depends on your exit strategy. Um, so do, are you flipping the property? Then maybe the term only needs to be six months to a year, right? Are you, um, are you going to be wholetailing the property where you're, you're putting it on the market, uh, you're listing it on the market and selling it to a retail buyer? Again, six, to, six months to a year on that. Um, are you selling it to a landlord, which, you know, landlords love seller financing for as long as they can get it. So, um, you know, three to five year, five to seven year. Um, So it depends on your exit strategy. Owner occupant, you want kind of a minimum of three years um, because, you know, they're going to be looking to refinance the property at the end of that term and they need as long as they can get. Um, So to answer your question, how do you determine it? Uh, It depends on your exit strategy, depends on your buyer, right? Who you're selling it to. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great answer. So it certainly has something to do with your exit strategy. 
would it also maybe have to do with the seller um yes yeah so, it, has to, it has to work for them too right so we, we may need to either one just ask um all right so yeah but, but we've already explained to you that we buy properties one of two ways cash or terms um mr seller you've expressed that you may have some interest in how we might structure some terms um sounds like you may have some tax consequences coming up from the sale of this property and it might be beneficial for you to spread those out over some time. So how long do you want to spread this out? Um, you know, how long would be a good amount of time to create some terms for? Keep in mind that um, you know, uh, we haven't done all of our numbers yet, but um, maybe we already have. And hey, I'm offering you 3 4%, 5%. Um, interest only, principal and interest, something. Maybe the property's free and clear. So they're making money on their equity, right? And yep. they're making 3%, three and a half, four. You know, right now, leaving their money in the bank might be a half a percent and 1%. So, hey, Mr. Seller, you know, um, you know, you had mentioned that you don't really have a need for this money. It's probably going to just sit in the bank and get, you know, little to no interest for you. Um, would it make sense to make this money work for you and continue to have it make more money for you? Help maybe offset some of that tax consequence that you're going to have? Yes. Um, so, you know, we want to see if we can dive a little deeper with the seller and still use our exit strategy. Now, I don't need to to have a lot of this conversation, if I already know this is more of a fixer upper um, and I'm either gonna wholetail it or I'm gonna rehab it and I only need to go get six months, you know, eight months, whatever, short-term financing. I don't need to have these discussions. If, you know, it's if it's looking at more of a, you know, an owner occupant or um, a landlord situation, then I may want to have those conversations so I know how to structure them. Yeah. What about what about the down payment? And, you know, we we mostly talked about this. You probably can answer this really quickly. But we, how do you determine what to offer down payment wise? <clears throat> well, you want to get in light, so as little as possible uh, is always the answer. So um, and and we talked about an owner occupant. Let's now talk about like a landlord. Yeah. <laughs> if our landlord was going to be a buyer, what kind of down payment? or maximum down payment do you want to be offering a seller? So maximum, probably around that 10%. Um, you can go up a little bit with uh, if you're selling it to a landlord uh, because landlords can pay, you know, up to, you know, 15 or even 20% if the terms are good. I mean, if a landlord is, you know, finds a property, goes out there, gets a traditional loan as an investment property, they're going to be paying 20 to 25% down. So anything that a landlord can get under that, um, it's usually a good deal for a landlord because they're putting less out of, you know, less money out of their own pocket. Uh, so I would still say like 10%. Um, and that way that gives you a little room to market up to your landlord. But probably, I mean, is again, if you can get you know, 5% down, 7% down, you want to go as low as you can that, and have it still work for the seller, right? If the seller right. needs 40,000 down and you're only offering 10, it's probably not going to work. Yep. 
Um, and I think that was a great response. Uh, and sometimes we can even go a little more than 10, right? I mean, if we have a $500,000 property, uh, landlords, landlords will pay uh, anywhere from 15 to, let's say, 25% down. So but why would they pay 25% down? Because the rest of the terms are super. Good. Yeah, uh, they might, the cash flow might be excellent for them. Or, or maybe this landlord has used their FHA loans. You know, they've got 10 FHA loans in their name. And they can't, you know, they're going to have difficulty qualifying for another. Yep. So to be able to get another, they've got cash. And, uh, you know, if this loan is long enough where they don't foresee an issue, they, they'd rather put more money down than, you know, than hassle with the loan thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you understand some of those things up front, it allows you to determine, hey, when you can offer a little more and when you've got a little uh, more leeway, uh, maybe in negotiations with the seller. Right. I can tell you that my both my acquisition guys, um, when when they bring up terms and you know they have a conversation about it, um, they they will ask something like. So it's pretty typical when we set up terms with a seller that we put little to no money down. Uh, I assume that's going to work with you. And if the answer is yes, awesome, right? Um, we literally just got little to no money down deal on the property just because we asked. And if they say no, then uh, okay, so what, what were you thinking? And if they come back and they say, well, you know, I, I want 20%, which is you know, somehow stuck in people's minds. That's what they think they should get. Yeah. And yeah, you know, my response would be is, why do you need 20%? Um, when did you become a big bank? Yeah. Uh, and uh, they they normally will say, you know, there's just no way that we can do that. That's, way, that's one of the ways, that's our main way of how we get paid. Um, are you telling me that if we could only pay, you know, seven, 8%, that you know that would be a deal killer, or is that something that we should still write up and see what you think? Yeah, great question. Okay, all right. Um, what about the the um, the condition of a property? So, um, how do we know? You know, what what's too much? You know, what's too much of a repair deal? You know that we could sell, you know, we, we know we could always sell to a rehabber when it needs more work. Right. But th there's, have you ever seen properties that need so much work, Jonathan, you're a rehabber that you're like, ah, no. Um, yeah. I have. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I mean, how do you determine, Hey, which ones are the ones that, Hey, that they, they don't need too much work, but um, you know, Where's your sweet spot? How do you figure that out? <laughs> so that that's, uh, I would say, can you live in the property? First of all, <laughs> is there a roof on the house? Um, well, really I, saw, I remember selling you a house and uh, there was someone living in it that he shouldn't have been. Um, and uh, I don't know how livable that house was. I remember, you know, one of the showers, all the, the pipes were pulled out and, uh, uh, so, uh, 
livability. So, so what's too much for repairs? Um, that it 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 varies, um, and it varies on who's your end buyer. If you're selling to a landlord, um, well, if they you know they factor in uh, repair costs on top of their down payment, so you know, a landlord doesn't want to go and put 20% down on a property and then put another 20 to $40,000 into it. I can tell you that that's too much. They're tying up too much capital in one property because that really reduces their return. Um, so, uh, since we've shifted to kind of the landlord category of buyers and how we look at properties, um, too much repairs might be 20,000, it might be 40, but it, again, it depends on down payment. Um, if you have room in, in that, you know, if, if you're selling a $200,000 property uh, to a landlord and they only need to put in, you know, $10,000, um, that might work for them, right? But it depends on depends on uh, the down payment for a big part of it. Uh, most landlords won't mind having to come in and make repairs. They're kind of used to that anyway. So, uh, but you have to keep in mind: um, does that push them over their you know their twenty percent that they want to be into the property for? Um, you know, does that push them to 30 or 40% that they're into the property after those repair costs? So there's no uh, hard and fast rule, I would say. Um, but, you know, it just depends on for a landlord, they're not going to want to tie up too much of their capital unless their down payment is a lot lower. You know, if their down payment's only 10%, you know, they got, you know, five or another 10% that they could throw into the property that might work for them. So and Does that answer your question? I mean, it's, well, yes, it actually is, is taking me along the, the, the right road, which is let's introduce an equation that will help you determine uh, what's too much work or what's too high of a price or um, what will make more sense to a landlord. And this is an equation that we've talked about a number of times, but Let's make sure people understand it and how to use it. It's called our cash on cash return investment equation. Yeah. Cash and on cash return. Yeah. It's very simple, right? Um, it is the amount of cash flow uh, they receive monthly. Th that's right. So, um, you know, let, let's say that they're buying a property that has a five hundred dollar a month cash flow. Yep. So. What would we By do? 12, that's $6,000. So we want to figure out what that's going to be for the year, right? So yeah. we're going to times it by 12. Correct. We have $6,000 divided by all the money that the, the, the new owner, the buyer, had to bring out of pocket. So that would be down payment, down payment, you know, whether it's conventional loan or owner finance. Um, Repair costs. Yep. Closing costs. Um, you know anything that they had to to bring. So yep. let's say that they had to bring twenty thousand dollars down payment and twenty thousand um, dollars repair costs and five thousand closing. So they've got forty five thousand dollars into this, right? Yep. So the equation's simple: six thousand. Yep. Divided by forty-five thousand. 
Yep. Equals 13.3%. That's the kind of in, the return that they're getting on their cash that they've put into this property. Right. So I would tell you that a solid return is 12% or better. So, and the higher you can get, the better. You might get away with 10% if there's a lot of upside to the property. There's um, the terms are, are very favorable. Um, you might even get as low as 8%, but I would tell you, I would try to stay around that 12% cash on cash return. And if you can get it to the 15, the 18s, the 20s, I mean, it just makes it that much more appealing to even more buyers. Right. Okay. The ultimate, the ultimate thing that everyone, all landlords want is even if, even if I require, uh, Jonathan, think about this. If I require 20% down on that same property, right? Yep. So let's say, you know, it's a $400,000 property. I, I want 80,000 down. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's going to cost 40,000 for repairs. Okay. And, you know, 5,000 in closing costs. So 120, is that right? Um, 80, 80, 125,000, right? Okay. Out of pocket. But let's say that once you rent, now once you've done all this work, you, you bought this property well, so you bought it with some equity. And let's say that um, when you're all said and done and you, you've done all the, the repairs, you've raised the rents, you've got you know, all your tenants to the point where you want them, the property is now worth 600,000, okay? Okay. So even though, let, let's, let's go back, okay? So let's say that, hey, well, 125 is what you're laying out. And let's say that you're going to have, uh, oh, I don't know. Let's say a $1,200 a month cash flow. So 1,200 times 12. 14,000 divided by 125,000, right? Yep. So we're just under 12%. Yeah. Okay. But what if, what if the property will now be worth $600,000? Then they can refinance and get all their cash back. And then they're into the deal pretty much for nothing. Right? That's right. With this. Yeah. Yeah. So great point because you can make deals work that, yeah, you know, the initial down payment might be high if it's 20% plus repairs plus closing. I mean, they could be into it 25%, but if they're able to, at the end of stabilizing the property, uh, do a cash out refinance and uh, get the cash out that they put into it, then it's a great deal for them because then they're essentially into the property after that you know, refinance for nothing or close to nothing right. significantly, significantly reduces uh, the, the percentage that they're actually into the property, which increases their cash on cash return. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what if you, know, you were able to refinance, pull out most of your cash, let's say you couldn't get it all. Okay. 
but you, you got to leave 15 grand in it. Um, that's what you're still out of pocket after all of that. Um, but you still have your $1,200 a month cash flow, right? Yeah. So 14,400 divided by um, 15,000. Now you get a 96% return on investment. That yep. might work. Which is right? fantastic. Yeah. And so, if you're able to get all your money, what are you getting? What's your return? Infinity. That's right. It's infinite. You, there, you don't have any. You don't have any money into it. That's right. You're gonna have so, money into it for there to to be a a percentage return, I guess. So you're always looking at you know uh, most most lenders um, on income property. So this this would apply duplex on up, but really fiveplex on up, right? So where it starts to be commercial. Um, storage units, mobile home parks, RV parks, office buildings, any kind of stuff with, with tenants and income, um, you, you, you calculate very similarly. And um, there's some equations that you need to know. They're not difficult, um, but they give you a quick idea of where you need to go with, with your offer based on what you can you know, hope to have in, uh, you know, a fairly short amount of period of time. Yeah. So, you know, our cash on cash return, super important. Our cap rate, which would be um, our net operating income. So all of our income, you know, minus times, times some vacancy, you know, yeah. whatever that might be, minus all our expenses, which would be, hey, uh, this is why cap rate doesn't work super well with residential type properties. I know people try to use it for houses and duplexes, but um, you know, you, you, you're, you don't need to add in all the expenses that you normally need to, to get a, a valid cap rate, but cap rate might include, uh, you know, it's all the utilities, all the taxes, insurance, all those things. But, Hey, capital expenses. Hey, you, you might have to repave a parking lot at some point. You may have to redo a roof. You may have to replace the, the air conditioning system, the furnace system. Um, and th this might not be a furnace or an air conditioner. It might be you know, a $30,000, $40,000 investment. Um, uh, so you got to account for that over some time. You figure out your your profit right that this is everything minus that no debt service is included and you you divide that net operating income divided by your purchase price and that gives you your cap rate which is similar to what we just figured out because it is if i was to pay cash for this entire property this is the kind of return on my investment i should expect Right. So if I'm getting a, if I'm buying at a 5% cap rate, I'm getting 5% on my money. If I was to pay cash for this property. Right. Um, you know, uh, the lower the cap rate and the hot, the stronger the market is, the stronger it is for a seller um, because they're selling at um, higher prices and um, people are, are, the demand is there. So it's pushing these cap rates down. Um, 
in a lot of instances, you know, investors want to buy uh, either maybe with no cap rate because there's no, you know, there's a lot of vacancy. There's no, you're buying a totally vacant um, eight plex. You know, you got to go do some work. There's no cap rate because there's no income. Um, uh, but when you do all the work, you know, you'll have a cash on cash return. Um, yes, you'll have to do some research about what the market rents will be. But now once it's full, um, we can now figure out our cap rate. We can now figure out our cash on cash return. These are equations that help guide us in determining what kind of deal do we have if we were going to buy it or what is the deal that we're passing on to one of our buyers? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, that's such this, because this is such a big topic, I think we're going to have to end this one right here, Jeff. Yep. Um, but we we covered quite a bit and there's a lot more in, I guess it's more in depth, I would say, when selling to a landlord uh, because there is more math required, right? There is. Um, yeah. You got you to gotta figure out what the cash flow is of the property and then you got to figure out what that down payment is going to be and what their cash on cash return would be. And then, you know, on the other side of that equation, like we talked about, if that if their down payment or all in cash out of pocket amount is going to be higher than that 20 or that 25%, can they do a cash out refinance at the end to pull that cash back out, therefore lowering their out of pocket um, and increasing their uh, cash on cash return? So I think we covered a lot in this episode. And um, here's the really good thing, Jonathan, even though there's a little more math, it's super simple math. It and, is, yeah. Um, um, and there's only a handful of equations that you really need to know. Right. And it will help you with, you know, some of it will help you with residential for sure. Um, but th th this is now more, you know, bigger residential or commercial. Um, but hey, there's some money in commercial. Um, I mean, we just wholesaled some storage units, made a hundred thousand on um, an assignment fee so that. Uh, you know, hey, this stuff works in different ways. So if you understand how some numbers are used, understand a handful of equations, you know, no algebra, no geometry, you know, simple, nope. uh, simple, um, use your financial calculator kind of thing. Yep. Um, uh, it will really help you. So yeah, great point, Jeff, because it might seem overwhelming if you're brand new to this, but really just think of it as, you know, a handful of equations that you use all the time and uh, you don't need to know all of them right off the bat. So, okay, guys, well, we'll wrap this uh, episode up here in the pop quiz on deal structuring. Uh, hope you guys are gaining a lot from this and hope you're able to follow along. Uh, you guys can reach us at the creative financing podcast.com. That's where all of our episodes are. Um, please, please, please rate and review our show. That really helps us out, gets the word out to others who are looking for the same content. Um, if you guys are interested in the Creative Financing Academy, uh, hit us up, let us know at 877-409-8090. Um, and then if you guys are interested uh, in, or you need help on deal structuring, uh, please present that to our Facebook page or our Facebook group there at the Creative Financing Podcast on Facebook. Um, if you need help 
structuring something, you know, post your deal there. We're trying to build that community to help one another on these kind of deals and, uh, you know, coming up with extra strategies. Jeff and myself pop on there from time to time to help people out. Um, so go there if you need help deal structuring. Also hit us up, let us know what uh, content you guys are interested in hearing so that we can continue to deliver the best uh, content around creative financing. If you guys are interested in Rebecca, I mean, in Jeff's apprenticeship program, uh, please send Rebecca an email. She'll get you the details on that. Um, and uh, you can reach her at Rebecca, R E B E C C A, at weofferoptions.com. So hit her up if you're interested in that. And I think I covered everything, Jeff. I think so. It's a mouthful every time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. All right, guys. Till next time, go out there and create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.